Welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast, where filmmakers become entrepreneurs. With my dad, he's a dork. Hi, and welcome to the Film Trooper Podcast. I'm your host, Scott McMahon. At Film Trooper, we try to help filmmakers become entrepreneurs. Now, if you need to know a little bit more about the show, go back to the first episode. It's a short 15-minute podcast, but it'll give you an idea of what we're trying to do here at Film Trooper. Now, on to the episode, which is the second part of my interview with Hot Squatch Entertainment, partners Jacqueline Galt and James Wilder Hancock. And I'll cut to the chase, and we'll just get on to it. Enjoy. So now you have this. Now you have Hot Squatch Entertainment. You gave him roofies. You He doesn't I remember signing anything, but now he's stuck with <laughs> Partnering you. Partnering with me, me stuck. stuck. So yeah. you guys come together, and you have a quite eclectic uh, lineup of uh, projects in development. And um, is there a, a business mission or a mission statement to Hot Squash? Like, so if we if we start with the basics, right? So if business has like four basic principles, I guess we'll just ask a simple question: What is the business of Hot Squash? We want to make our investors money. <laughs> <laughs> we want them to come back for more again and again and again. This is absolutely true. Uh, <laughs> this is true. We want to make movies we love, but. This is true. We want to uh, yeah. make more than one. While doing that, um, we want to make movies that we love. We really, we, um, for us, it's hard to. We're beholden to the audience and the distributor by dint of the audience because the distributor ostensibly understands the audience. They at least understand their audience. So, so we it sort of goes back to story. You know, what can we find a story that's compelling? We'll try to wrap that, hope that it's wrapped in a genre that we love mm-hmm. and something that fits within our parameters of what we view as sort of extended family event entertainment. I'm pointing that right now. Extended, extended family, family entertainment. entertainment. I love it. Okay. Which kind of covers, you know... Everything? In my mind, it's kind of ages 5 to... 95. 95. Because great-grandpa Joe is extended family. Right. So movies that um, you know, like like Blue Lights, which has a little bit of everything, um, has some action, has some adventure, doesn't have a whole bunch of language. It's basically we're aiming at like a PG to PG thirteen area, okay, with an occasional R if yeah. we need to, because sometimes Grandma likes it a little racy. <laughs> <laughs> Grandma likes her stories, and eventually, when Junior's old enough at sixteen, seventeen, he wants to see it. <laughs> um, because we have families and we grew up in families, coincidentally, um, we we have, and we're kind of, uh, I consider myself a cinemaholic, which includes TV. I'm just sort of a junkie for, for content. Mm-hmm. And um, so we are our audience. It's the easiest way for us to approach it, both business-wise and creative. Right. If we can say, you know, what would please us right. and our families, then generally when we go to a distributor or we poll an audience, right. they're usually in somewhat agreement. There's always some tweaks that need to be that need to happen. And there's, you know, business-wise, there are other interests that become involved that you have to account for and 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 make, you know, make uh, some concessions here and there. But but overall, it's um, stories that are compelling to us, that are sort of wrapped in genres that we love, and um, and that are fun to make, yeah, and fun to watch. 
Uh, so it does encompass, I mean, you kind of heard the stuff that we kind of grew up on and fall in love with. So I'm fully, you know, at some point we'll probably do a musical. But it'll probably be like a horror, zombie, western, kung fu Quentin musical. Like a Tarantino musical. Like a Tarantino music. <laughs> Tarantino with music. Singing. Yeah. Like, yeah. Totally. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, and, and for me, like, with my... My marketing background kind of jades everything I do. Like, if I look at a project and I have no idea who the audience is, who the buyer, the the end consumer is, because it's all they're all widgets. Mm-hmm. And if I can't say this is how I'm going to market this widget to who's going to buy it, then it becomes very tough. And so we gravitate for projects that are. Oh yes. Okay. This this is like the, the the components that are going to get people excited about it. These are the I hate the word transmedia, but these are like the the the, the ancillary the, the the offshoots that are going to bring people into this project. These are the touch points that are going to get people excited. The more touch points I can identify for a film, the more I know that it has an audience, and it, it's not an audience that's just going to watch the movie, but that's going to want, that's going to like read a graphic novel or buy the lunch pail or uh, uh, um, expand on the story online um, and and want to crave and consume more, more, more. And she makes a good point because it really gets that the I this whole business side of it used to bore the pants off of me until I saw it in that perspective of expanding audience, which serves our investors <laughs> and serves the company obviously because it wants to make a profit, but also serves the audience. Right. And it gets back to that whole idea of magic for me. It's like if I can create that magic moment in an audience of ten. How much cooler is it to do it in an audience of a hundred or an audience of a million or a hundred million? I mean, if I can create, if we can create stories that change, that that inspire that one of those movies that kind of made me realize about this whole emotional connection was something that even when I think about it intellectually, that makes no sense to me. But Terminator (laughs) Two, I remember walking out of that film just feeling completely empowered like I could accomplish whatever I wanted to accomplish and I could do whatever if apocalypse happened now I could deal with it (laughs) and I just remember having just that feeling of like total empowerment and I wanted to be able to convey that or any other feeling in a way that's that powerful to audiences so that they could walk out of a theater feeling completely empowered by whatever. I hear By you. a story about a young girl who's an inventor or a kid who saves the world from alien invasion or whatever. But um, to be able to, to transmit that yeah. that feeling and whatever the feeling is, feelings of love, of empowerment, you know, mostly positive stuff, even in some of the horror scripts that we're talking about, infusing that whole idea of empowerment. I gotcha. If there was like a, a special ingredient... That I were to slip slip out mm-hmm. about what might be a common thread throughout Hot Squatch films, that would be one of them. Empowerment, yeah. You know, remind me you said that uh, Terminator Two, yeah, that feeling. I took my daughter a couple years ago to see the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie, uh-huh. and I walked out with her and I said, "Hey, hey, what did you think?" And she's like six, I guess, at the time. She didn't say anything. She looked at me with a very serious face and then kicked me in the chin. Ah! <laughs> 
She loved it. She loved it. She just was at reenacting all the fighting scenes that she saw in the movie. So uh-huh. I was like, well, that... Yeah. That hurt, but at the same time, I realized she enjoyed it. But yeah, so. nice, nice hit, girl. <laughs> nice hit. Oh, my. We're going to get you a bag. So, <laughs> so you guys have, so Hot Squatch Entertainment, it's a production company Correct. for these film filmed products. So, it's a development company, a production company, and a distribution company as well. Like distribution, we, okay. We, we, we make a baby. <laughs> we make a baby, and we send that baby to school, and then we pay for that baby to go to college. And then we watch that baby go out in the world. Like we really and send like, us money home. And we hope that that that, that baby gets a good job <laughs> and pays mom and dad yeah. for send us all we did for it. Just send I us mean, some stuff. Yeah. Don't come home and live with us, though. No, but, no, 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 no. We don't. Yeah. We don't want but to send us back send in. us checks once in a while. But we do want to see money. So we can move into a bigger house. Investment on our baby. <laughs> but it's really it's about incubating, and it's about okay. incubating these these amazing stories that. Have market value. So I, so you have like the four principles of business. You have your product or service. So you have that. Yeah. And then you have your so that's your supply. Mm-hmm. Then you have your demand, which is your audience. Mm-hmm. And you you've zeroed into what you want your audience to be, mm-hmm. which is great because you've narrowed your focus into not only what you guys like. You already mentioned it that you are the audience, but there are. Many, many people like you. And it'll and adjust for each picture. I mean, we take each picture individually, and they'll all have slightly different audience fields that we'll be right. looking at. But, you know. What is, uh, and then the next, like, one of the next principles is distribution, a, right. a means to get it to your audience. Do you, um, what's your take on all that stuff for, for your projects? I mean, it take depends. no prisoners. That's our, <laughs> that's our take on that. It no really depends on each film. Um, there's it, it's there's Milk so it. many ways Bleed to reach an audience, cry. and I think that um, I think the filmmakers believe that this distributor savior is going to come in and like buy it and like market it and make it awesome, and it, that's not the case anymore. It's it's the it's the the filmmaker has to take the bull by the horns and say, I'm going to find and develop this audience before it's even hit the market. Yeah. So the first thing about our whole distribution philosophy is we're not thinking about it at the end. We're thinking about it at the beginning of yes. the process. So before we even greenlight a project for development, I mean, as part of our development process, before we greenlight it, part of our greenlight process. We'll be in the conversations with the distributors, talking about the market. Mm-hmm. Will this, if we deliver this film that, you know, that we we can make it like the script says or whatever this product is, if we can deliver this, will this sell and where will it sell? Mm-hmm. And, and to whom will it sell? We have those conversations at the very beginning. Right. So that by the time the film's, before the film even goes into production, we already know that it's greenlit. By that, there's also... Um, an element where if we uh, if, if if the financing is coming from a bank, any entertainment bank worth their salt is going to have their own green light process, and they're not going to green light it, the release of any funds, until they know that the picture is going to sell, and so they'll have their own departments run um, foreign sales figures, and uh, and estimate what what the you know the, the national box office is going to be. They'll have all that dialed in before. We even get money in the bank, mm-hmm. money in our own account, in a production account. 
So we already know going in who our audience is, uh, where they're going to sell, what the deliverables are going to need to be, who's going to distribute it, and and in a, in a lot of cases, what the um, what the opening date, what the dates are going to be, what our deliver dates are. So we already have a framework. We have uh, we have a deadline. Uh, we've got our marching orders. We've got a scat cast approved. We've got a script approved. We've got bonding. We go into production. So by the time it's done, as long as we're delivering what we said we were going to deliver, then it's done. The other half of it is that we also we do a, a hybrid philosophy. So we're not giving away and selling every all distribution avenues. Um, there's lots of stuff, especially in the e-markets, that we can hold on to. And do direct sales, um, which uh, which is better for the company and better yeah. for the investors um, because that's money that we keep. Obviously, we keep more of that. Uh, it's not as much money, but you know, whatever little bit trickles in, mm-hmm. we keep more of those dollars and we can send those to our investors as well. Which project uh, of your lineup is the I say the furthest along of just get, getting ready to? be shot well, it depends the- on the day that you ask <laughs> and that's well, the that, you know, that's the that's the nature of development it sort of um, well and it, it depends on the season it depends on yeah. when money hits the bank um, you know got, definitely the project that that we've got two right now basically that are that we could go into pre-production next month on right two four maybe three it's kind of subjective at this point. <laughs> well, it, 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 it's very seasonal, too. I mean, we yeah. have two projects that have to be shot over the summer. Um, we have two projects that should really be shot in the fall and winter. Um, so it really all depends assuming on... Assuming we shoot them here. Assuming we shoot them here. In Portland, um, Oregon. We want to. I mean, it, it's... My family's here. I want to keep everything as local as possible. That's that's kind of why this all works for us so well is because we have this commitment to keeping everything local. But you have to look at it. It's not all about what we want. It's all about what makes sense for the business. Mm-hmm. And if incentives and locations and crew are better to shoot elsewhere then we can't say no to that. Um, but at the flip side of that is also my family's here. My son goes to school here. My husband's here. I don't want to leave them for months at a time. I don't. And so whatever Give it a I couple can of years. do... <laughs> well, when Jake goes off to college, okay, seven years, I can shoot anywhere. Um... So we need him I, free I will, labor I will that. do whatever I can to make it work locally, um, but recognize that that may not always be the reality. So we have we have blue lights under the overpass. Tess, the Tess, inventor. Tess, the inventor. Those those three I would consider ready to ready to go into pre production in a month, next month. And and they shift depending on a lot of things, but right now, right now, blue lights and under the overpass are right. Right, are in the lead. Now you, um, the other principle of business is letting people know that your product exists, letting your audience know. Oh, go ahead. You guys want anything else? 
Any drinks? Just water? <laughs> Do you want more? <laughs> I'll have another one. Why not? One more. One more. <laughs> now I'm in trouble. So, oh, no. So that's here. Uh, yeah, so the other principle is just letting people know. Basically, right. it's, the, it's the marketing. It's right. the promotion. Um, knowing a lot of film distribution companies... Um, don't do a lot of marketing per se. I mean, they're not known for it. They're right. known for the acquisition, and they they have their set of buyers that so they package their films together and say, "Here's our bundle of films. Can you just get this out to this market or these right. foreign markets?" Um, There's a new wave of filmmaking, or the new wave of doing things in filmmaking, of really having to take the marketing under control. It's obvious if you go to a film festival, even you get in a film festival, you still got to pony up and do all the marketing yourself. Oh, yeah. So, what is your, what is uh, Hot Squash's sort of marketing plan? Uh, or Fortunately, we have a marketing genius. <laughs> and genius? It, okay, no, okay. And See, taking control of no our marketing is a huge will ever call them, if, if a marketer calls himself a genius or a guru, fire them immediately. That's um, why I said it for you. <laughs> um, we're trying to establish a brand, and our brand is an assurance. We have four family films, five, six, eight family films that we're eyeballing. They're multiplying like rabbits. They're, mo- they're like little thumping money. It's the magic. Um, <laughs> and they are, they, it's, the first one out of the gate is going to establish relationships and a reputation for us as a production company that subsequent films can take advantage of. So... As a production company, as an entity, we're trying to establish a brand, and our brand is an assurance to investors, distributors, to audiences, like like so many other indie production companies. Focus Features, they're amazing. I love them. They're kind of like the model I aspire to be, because you know it's not going to be crap. It may not be the movie that you're in the mood to see right now, but it's not going to suck. Um, so, like, it, it's, it's really um, developing this brand. And we might have family films. We might have action films. We might have horror films. We might have a variety of films in this slate that appeal to different audiences. But the assurance and the brand is the same. Um, they will all have a Sasquatch in them somewhere. They will all have a Sasquatch <laughs> yeah. in them in the background somewhere. And that's going to be our master egg. That's our brand. Our master egg for all of our films. Look for the Squatch. Uh, <laughs> we'll have to put a, a different famous person in the suit every time. Totally. Guess Dan who's Aykroyd. In, guess who the Squatch is. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be good. What well, is hot squash? So, and and um, we were supposed to have, we we're supposed to meet up at a place called Sasquatch. I'd never been there before. Sasquatch Sas- Brewing. Yes. So, next time. Next time. <laughs> so yeah, before so you- I had to be close to my latchkey child. <laughs> <laughs> so you have. Um, so yes, you're developing the brand. That yes. totally makes sense. Right. I think there's a film out or coming out. I think it's on iTunes. It's a documentary about the days of the early uh, video home rental market. 
Mm. Uh-huh. Uh, they're, like they're a uh, company called like New Moon or Full Moon Productions. They made a lot of bad sort of B-rated uh, horror films. There's but they a, made it. They were there's the a model right, for that. There's a model. They were the That's right such place. a judgment to call them bad. Right. Yeah. No, I. <laughs> there's some great. I saw bad, many of know. those movies. Yes, but they fit. They fit a, right. a need. Like yes. you said, like the robots slogan. Yep. Find a need, fill a need. See a need, fill a need. Like, like Roger Corman. There you go. Now you worked with him, or you were? What, what is your involvement? You studied with him. I I did go through the film of the the Corman film school of film. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, which basically just means I worked on uh, some projects of his, um, which was fabulous. Speaking of sort of moments, I had uh, one. Um, I don't know, maybe the second or third film I worked on. We were on their stages in um, in uh, 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 down there on the beach, Venice. And um, around the stages, I walked into back into their vault during some downtime. They were rehearsing or something. I walked back into the stage. Thank you. Take him, dear. They go into the vault. They got all these films, like, collecting dust on the racks. Old, like, you kids out there probably can't imagine a vision of, like, racks and racks of of film schools can. of film. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, in their cases. <laughs> Is that like having a VHS show? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's what we had in my house when I was a kid. Yeah, but with more rivets. <laughs> yeah. And um, and I found a, the master for um, Battle Beyond the Stars. Speaking of bad science fiction, now the reason it meant so much to me is because this is the only film that I ever walked out of in a theater. <laughs> it was Battle Beyond, the, and I could take some really cheesy crap. <laughs> but Battle Beyond the Star now I'm, years later I watched a video of it and then I kind of fell in love with it and then I now I kind of like it but <laughs> I don't remember there was some moment in the middle of it I'm like I guess can't take it anymore <laughs> and I walked out and then like there I am like standing in Venice in California in Corman studio like looking at the film that was just like kind of surreal to me Hollywood had a lot of those moments for me. Very surreal moments. It's a good place to be surreal. How many years you were down there? Almost three years. Cool. Until I met my ex-wife and we decided to raise our family up here. There you go. It's fascinating. So you guys have... Um, it's cool. You have the vision. You have, you're setting, you, you set up the company. You're getting things going. You have the American film market coming up, which yep. is a, mm-hmm. it's a big deal. And um, it's, it's fun. Definitely fun. Eh? Oh, and I'm like, excited. Yeah. I'm excited. So then, My goal is to not be hung over the first morning. Oh. <laughs> that seems Aim to be, higher. I, I'm failing. At, I got, I'm failing at that at every conference we've been to so far. It's because you go with me. <laughs> I can't keep up with you. <laughs> so it's just going to be two, both of you, or is Peter yeah. coming? Or no? Just no. Two? Okay. Peter's our stay-at-home partner. Yeah. Okay. Someone has to watch the store while we're away, so he sits on the porch with a shotgun and just <laughs> makes sure it. nobody messes with That's our a great stuff. Great analogy. Peter on the porch with the shotgun. And then mess with our stuff while we're gone. You keep things safe, Peter. <laughs> so, what is your take on like um, the local Portland film scene and and how does like Hot Squatch fit into this whole thing? Or I think it totally fits in with exactly what Portland wants to do, yeah. and I, we're not and we're not the only one doing it. I, I think that it's really um, 
Portland indie producers saying we don't need outside resources to make our dreams come true. Like that we can we can make it all happen here. We have the we have the crew, we have the talent, we have the everything that we need. Um, the We're getting the link. money. We're, and we'll, the, the money. I mean, you don't have to live. What do you, you don't have to the live? Money's anyway. have to live the money's coming. Mark my words. You don't have to live coming. in wherever to get the money. It, it's not about lo- money's not location based. Um, no, not anymore, especially. Like you look at LA with feature films. There's just mass exodus. Like they've declared a, a state of emergency in LA for for features. I mean, they still get a, their fair share of um, series because that's where all the pilots happen. But yeah, it's 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 the satellite markets are the new norm, and it's a matter of being in a satellite market and having the LA connection because the distributors, the sales agents, the deals, things like that are still happening in LA, and so you have to you have to maintain that connection. You can't completely be isolated and say, I'm going to do it all right here. I don't need to rely on L.A. No, all you... the big banks are in L.A. anyway. we gotta, exactly. got to go deal with them anyway. And there's a, you know, we Hot Squatch is a part of, I've been watching, I've been in this market, uh, let's see, back in, well, I started 22 years ago here and then went to L.A. for three years. So it's been, you know, 19, 18, 19 years I've been growing in this market and helping grow this market. That's why I became involved with the uh, OMPA, which is, in at before that, started the Oregon Producers Alliance, why we did that, which is why I wrote the, uh, the uh, why we wrote the, um, the, bill, uh, right? or the OPIF, the Oregon Production Incentive Fund for Indigenous Productions. Nice. All of that was to build... And industry, basically, you know, the term that the, the phrase that I always used was turning our film hobby into a film industry. And Hot Squatch is part of uh, an emergence of studios that are fulfilling that goal that we set over a decade ago. And and for some people, even longer than a decade. It's been there have been people who've been involved in this. Working at this market in the ebbs and flows <laughs> over decades, um, who have been trying to get to the point where we are a full-fledged industry, self-sustaining industry, and not dependent on LA productions to keep people working. And, then right. that's, the and that's going to take right it's going to take multiple studios. So right. we we are all about um, so you know rising tide. Floats all boats, right. right? So we're all about uh, helping other people, still maintaining that whole environment, that culture of of inclusiveness, of helping each other out. Um, Cast Iron Studios is another mm-hmm. studio that's emerging um, out of uh, Cast Iron Casting. So right. Alana Finker. That's right. They're and looking to produce. That's right. Exactly. And um, doing basically the same thing. And and there are other studios. There's the Freeman Brothers who have been producing. The Freeman Brothers. Who have I... been producing stuff for a long, long time and and making some really cool films. And their growth has been um, interesting to watch. They are a product, I like to say, of IOPIF, of the Indigenous Production <laughs> Incentive Fund. Because they were the first ones to use it, and they use it for every single project, um, which I'm extremely <laughs> proud of. Well, um, and they were like, so we were. I like to. I would like to get to the point where we're like at, at least like in Austin, where we have two, three um, full fledged studios 
going. Uh, right now, Leica is really the only one, and, mm-hmm. and they do animated, you know, animated projects, which is great. Um, but we need some some live action studios of that size as well to keep those crew, crew members happy because um, there's only <laughs> there's only so many crew jobs for Leica films. Uh, even once we start uh, doing one a year, so it's all about building the industry. Um, I, I, there've been a lot of lean years around here that I've gone through, and um, and with the local crew, having been a union member the entire time I've been here and in LA, um, watching jobs come and go. There have been some really lean times, and during those lean times is when I was most fired up about making this studio even though I didn't know what the studio was going to look like then the idea of just creating jobs of right. of getting to the point where we're not looking at it doesn't matter what's going on with the Canadian dollar I don't care what's going on over in uh, in Bulgaria or with the Australian <laughs> tax credits can we have a sustaining industry here in Oregon well, uh, really and we are. We can. It's building, and we're just sort of part of that wave. That makes that's very clear. The studio model in LA is shrinking. Like the studios are making fewer and fewer films, right. which means there's fewer and fewer films being released to a mass market. So it's up to us, the indie producers, to fill that gap, that to provide more, to fill the theaters with more content. Because the studios aren't going to do it. Because the studios don't know how to... I, I remember a conversation I had with a with a, a producer from L.A. that said, I don't know how to make a movie under $50 million. Really? You don't know how? That's not the same guy sending us scripts for under a million now. <laughs> it, it is. Yes. It's exactly yeah. that same person yes. that's sending us scripts under a million dollars. Which is why saying, he's sending us scripts. Because he doesn't know how to make these movies. he doesn't know how to do it. Because his fee alone is above that. So, how do you fill the gap? How do you... Okay, if, 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 if L.A. is saying... If the studios are saying, we can only make $100 million features, and the market will only bear four per year per studio, when it used to be 20 per year per studio, or whatever it was, who's going to fill that gap? It's the independent producers that are going to have to fill that gap. Because the consumers, the audience, still wants to go to the movies. And if there's fewer movies to see, then theaters are going to fail. Right. Because we can't they have won't that. have people in the theaters week after week. Save and the really, theaters, people. Save the theaters. Save the theaters. Like my preferred way. I don't care if the teenager in front of me is texting during the movie. It's still the best way, in my opinion, to consume a film. Until I have a house with a 50-foot screen and... Amen. And, and 7.1 <laughs> Dolby surround sound. I'm going to go to the theater. I'm going to the theater. Okay. That's cool. This is cool. This is... It kind of it really does help understand the goal, the, the mission for what Hot Squash Entertainment, what your involvement is, this background. I mean, this is very—I don't know—it's very cathartic for me. It's just the, the very thorough to understand where you, how you guys came to where you're at, and what your mission is to move forward. You caught us at the tail end of writing our business plan. <laughs> <laughs> I should say re—I should say rewriting our business and plan. We're, we're, uh, what, we've been what? revamping it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you tend to think about a lot of this. <laughs> so if we were if we were to wrap all this stuff up, uh-huh. if you were to give uh, 
one bit of advice to um, other filmmakers that need to understand they need to become entrepreneurs. And I meant that in a sense of understanding that you can't just make a film, like you said, cross your fingers, bring it to a festival, and hope somebody finds you as a star. You can, but I hope you are like a trust fund baby (laughs) (laughs) that doesn't care about the money and you're just along for the ride and a good time. Because that is a great... You know, if if you got the money... And you don't want to spend it on another trip to Dubai. I say make a movie and take it to the festivals. Enjoy the ride. Have a good time. <laughs> uh, you're not going to see a dime back probably right. unless it's a killer. killer well, it's hard because a lot of distribution companies, the best they're offering is like a $5,000, $10,000 advance for a film, yeah. you know? Which even, is- even films that are coming prepackaged with stars and are, have agencies attached that are already pre-sold before they even get to the market. They're still making less than what their budgets are because they know that you know there's there's way more involved in the sales estimates beyond what that one distributor is paying you. Right. Um, but there's still small numbers. I mean, no one's going to make their money back on on one distributor's deal. So, so what would it, with all this stuff, knowing this stuff? So, what advice would you give, like? I think that we're 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 read. Um, yeah, read, <laughs> educate yourself, stay on top of this shit. But really, it's about pioneering new territory and kind of put the old ways behind and figure out how what can you look at, where can you find an audience that who wants to see your film really, and how do you connect with them. It, it really, the onus is on the filmmaker to find their audience. And, and and if they don't have an audience, why are you making this movie to begin with? I mean, we we caught pitches at the Willamette Writers Conference, and we, like, said, who's your audience? We're like, I, I don't know who wants to see this movie. Why are you writing this script? So really, like, from the get-go, from the... The, the creation of the film. Know who your audience is. And not just who's going to sit their butt in the theater to watch your film, but who's going to care about it after they leave the theater. Who's going to care about it before they hit the theater? Who's going to care about it in general? Because it's not about watching it on the big screen. It's about engaging with a, a, a widget from from day one. That's a good point because really films have evolved um, marketing wise and culturally into movements. I mean, you used to talk mm-hmm. about, we have a we have a social drama uh, on our slate under the overpass um, which you know, we call, we consider a movement film. A, a, a film that, that gets people involved in a movement about homelessness. But really, all the films that are really successfully worldwide, successful worldwide, all have that movement element attached to them. They have people who are, and to me, a movement is anything that converts, uh, that converts like a spectator into an evangelist, somebody who's going to go out and talk about your film in a positive way rather than just you know spend money. I mean, there's there's actually people out there that are like quantifying the 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 the. What it what it means to have an audience member to what it ha- means to have an audience member instead of just coming and sitting down mm-hmm. paying their money, um, so you get that one seven dollar you know fee you know ticket charge seven instead of just that <laughs> it's a matinee. <laughs> 
And beyond that, how many more, how, how much of a sales agent can that person be for you? Right. Is that person going to go out and then bring, you know, three more ticket sales in? So is that person worth $7 or are they worth $28? And if you can, how many of those can you build up? So you really start talking about, um, uh, the same, uh, there were um, books written about Apple. Apple is, you know, hu- is huge at this, is about turning uh, customers into evangelists. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's been books written about it. And it's really happening in film now. I mean, you see, you know, marketing campaigns starting a year plus out that it's not just about getting one person in a seat. It's yeah. about creating a whole movement of a generation right. of getting them involved with this event. I'm probably butchering it, but I... I'm going to paraphrase. Uh, I remember hearing something about this about Weinstein. Mm-hmm. It was Harvey. It was yep. talking to. Yeah. He might have talked to Affleck and Matt Damon, but he was saying something like, "A lot of the films he was looking at is like it's got to have that thing where it it, it leaves with the audience. Like it it just doesn't end there. It's like whatever we invest into has to have that thing. Whatever that one thing is." It just sticks with an audience afterwards. Has exactly. that lingering? You want to create exactly. that buzz. The buzz that's going to like that make sucker them. sucker stole my idea. <laughs> <laughs> Weinstein! Weinstein again! Always, always, always with you. If you're um, an AFM Weinstein, you are mine. <laughs> it's really about creating an experience. And the experience is something that's going to carry outside of the theater. That is, if it's a family film, it, it's my son seeing it going to school saying oh my god it's not the best movie ever and like sharing that and that kid goes home and begs mom to take him to this movie it, it, it's, it's that viral um, element that and, and, and virals become such a crazy nomer now it's like it's like we're all craving that one thing that's going to break out above above the rest and if you're not thinking about those touch points if you don't have five touch points beyond the screen that you're going to involve your audience in, why don't you have those? Like, you have to think about, like, why don't I have them? Like, how do I find those? You're really trying to pull people into an entire world, mm-hmm. especially with a lot of the things like, uh, you know, it's a good example, Hunger Games. Perfect example of, you know, sort of the, uh, or uh, the Harry Potter films the whole just sucking people into that world and that it spreads across every ancillary market that they have so when you have somebody hooked into not just the film but the entire world they're going to look at everything that comes into view within that world and consider purchasing it so you have Again, you get it appeases the magician side, which is like, oh, look, it's like pulled. Full circle. You pulled there them. You go. It appeases, oh, it, it appeases the creative side, the creative magician side, which says, oh, you, you know, I totally sucked you into this world, and you're like delighting in this whole space. And it also appeases, you know, the whole financial business end of it, which is like, oh, look, I've sucked you into this world, and you're paying every step of the way. So, and you watch that, and that's the big part of the studio's market. Disney has built their their whole business structure on that idea that it's not just about the film it's about the whole world and, and pulling in 
You heard it here first. That'll be announced in five years. Are you start off. on the hot squeeze to empty bark. Like you start off, it's just like a like a small park, like a really small park, and then you're like, wait, we're just starting. We're starting small. Let's go. Like Enchanted Forest? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Say, I was gonna say I was gonna say we just take over the Enchanted Forest. And rename it. Enchanted Forest, we're coming after you. Oh no, I love Enchanted Forest. I'm gonna take it down. We can take over that uh, no longer existing um, water thing next door. Next door? Yeah. <laughs> and we'll have hot squash next to Enchanted Forest. There you go. So we And then we will have the first side by side dueling theme parks. That share ticket sales. <laughs> you can buy a double. You come into one, you can see both. <laughs> that's how cooperative we are up here. That's how we. That's how we do. And we, nice. and we come full circle. Well, gonna, I'll wrap this up so we don't get too long. But it was great. It was one, really wonderful to have you guys come out. Thank and you. I'm, I was really happy to, to hear the bigger vision of what Hot Squash was, and it's very very cool. So and the cool thing is, we'll follow up in a, probably in a couple, few months. Yeah. And we'll see where we're at and uh, see your, like, you know. Hopefully that, by then the, we'll, have the some big, we'll have some big announcements by then. Yeah. So uh, we'll have more different stuff to talk about. Some good stuff. I, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm waiting. I can't wait. And, it's, you know, Larry's a good guy, especially the, the writer. So. Oh, we have a so, great writing team. Yeah. Very yeah. Cool. And, yeah, Larry's definitely at the top of our list. Larry and Dana. Don't let him tell. Don't tell him I said that. You yeah. know Dana. Spear. Yeah. Do I know Dana Spear? She's one of Randall's. Yes, 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 Dana. Dana. Yes, yes. Super Jake. Oh, that's right. Okay, yes. cool. Very, very cool. <laughs> all our scripts were written from all the same people. And Rand- we love Randall. Randall's class. <laughs> Go to Randall's yeah, class and get movies class. made. We love you, Randall. <laughs> awesome. Well, listen, cool. I'll wrap it all up. And I, I thank you guys again. Thank you. Thanks for having us on. I hope you guys didn't drink too much. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> we'll close out here. For, Just enough. We're at the Tabor Tavern, and man, it's been good. Good food and good drinks and good conversation. Real, real good. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thanks.